And now, Lindell TV brings you The Stone Zone with legendary Republican strategist and political icon and pundit Roger Stone. Stone has served as a senior campaign aide to three Republican presidents. He is a New York Times best-selling author and a longtime friend and advisor of President Donald Roger Trump. Stone. As an outspoken libertarian, Stone has appeared on thousands of broadcasts, spoken at countless venues, and lectured before the prestigious Oxford Political Union and the Cambridge Union Society. Due to his four-plus decades in the political and cultural arena, Stone has become a pop culture icon. And now, here's your host, Roger Stone. Welcome. I'm Roger Stone. And yes, you are back in the Stone Zone. Uh, last night, I had the uh, distinct privilege of uh, appearing on the premiere uh, edition, the premiere episode of Laura Loomer's great Rumble-based show, uh, Loomer Unleashed. Uh, we had a phenomenally large audience. I hope you had an opportunity to see it. By all means, I urge you to uh, subscribe and follow Laura Loomer here uh, on Rumble. Of course, you can follow us at rumble.com slash Roger Stone. Uh, you can see us on numerous platforms, uh, but we invite you to subscribe to us there as well. There you see it, rumble.com slash Roger Stone. We're here every day uh, at five o'clock Eastern, four o'clock Central. We're talking news, politics, history, style, fashion, food, and well, way more. So please follow us at rumble.com slash Roger Stone. Uh, President Donald Trump uh, had uh, a reaction to the uh, growing concern across the country that with so many millions of illegals now being admitted to uh, the United States, that there would be some terrorist act of violence uh, against a U.S. citizen. Uh, I, we wanted to show this last night. We ran out of time. Let's uh, roll that, if we may. But as I've already said many, many times before, I will immediately reinstate and expand the wildly successful Trump travel ban on entry from terror play countries, territories, and places. We're going to, we're going to, they ended it. They ended it. And it just kept us safe. We wouldn't let people come in from certain countries where there's tremendous terror. Makes sense, right? If you're coming from somewhere full of people who want to kill Americans, we will not let you in. We worked very hard on that. Uh, as you know, may know, uh, the president's travel ban was upheld in the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, now the question, of course, is, is it realistic to think that if he returns to the White House that he could deport millions of people who entered the country illegally. President Dwight Eisenhower actually successfully deported 1.3 million illegals, proving that it is not impossible. Uh, this is uh, among the topics that we will discuss with our guest today. Joel Gilbert is a conservative documentary filmmaker who is based in Los Angeles. Uh, he's best known for exposing uh, the truth about Barack Obama in 2012 in his epic film, Dreams of My Real Father, uh, as well as his 2016 blockbuster on Bill Clinton's uh, real black son, Danny Williams. His other films include No Place Like Utopia, The Art of the Insult, and of course, we've had him here at the Stone Zone multiple times to talk about his blockbuster, Michelle Obama 2024, her real life story and her plan for power. We're going to touch on some of that today as well. What you probably didn't know is, uh, first of all, that Joel Gilbert is a very accomplished rock musician. Uh, he played uh, extensively in a Bob Dylan tribute band. He probably knows more about Bob Dylan and his music than perhaps any person alive. But the other thing you didn't know is that his area of study and expertise is in, is in Islamism and the Middle East and this entire conflict. He produced two films on the subject, Farewell Israel, Bush, Iran, and the Revolt of Islam, and Atomic Jihad. Uh, today, I'm going to ask him about what's going on in the Middle East, because right now, Joel Gilbert joins us in the Stone Zone. Hi, Roger. An honor to be with you again. Thank you. 
Thank you. Joe, let's, uh, to warm people up, let's show the trailer for uh, for Atomic Jihad, one of your two uh, epic uh, uh, documentaries on this topic. Atomic Jihad, Ahmadinejad's coming war for Islamic revival, and Obama's politics of defeat. They've got a score to settle, the tired of waiting, gonna get even with the great Satan. My administration is now committed to diplomacy. They say no thanks, Mr. President. Emruz Melate Iran. یک ملت صاحب فناوری هسته است که به محض دسترسی به فناوری های پیشرفته For it is only when people come together and seek common ground that some of that mistrust can begin to fade. Death to America's a popular rant. Pulpits and rallies echo the chant. Don't matter who's a hawk or a dove, nobody's in the Mahmoud for love. God help he who negotiates. We will be respectful even when we do not agree. Living in a dangerous place. But the most powerful weapon in our arsenal is the hope of human beings. When you're sure you're right and the other side's wrong, God's on your side and your arsenal's strong. I am not naive. War has been declared, you ought to be scared. Hope! Share common aspirations. Are you ready for the end of the equation? Take close attention now, and you'll find out why we're all living in a dangerous place. A fellow citizen of the world. As always, a powerful documentary filmmaking from Joel Gilbert. Joel, let's kind of start with the top of the news. Uh, as we gather here, uh, hundreds, uh, perhaps thousands, but at least hundreds of uh, pro-Islamic, pro-Hamas, pro-Iranian protesters uh, have occupied the U.S. Capitol, uh, with thousands more for certain outside. Uh, what is your reaction to this? Well, the first reaction of any conservative, of course, would be, are they going to be arrested and jailed for uh, committing the crime of insurrection and disrupting a public place and disrupting public meetings? I think we know the answer to that. They will probably not be arrested at all. So uh, there is a worldwide grassroots movement, though, uh, that's reflected in those rallies and around the world that supports the ideology of Islamism. And Islamism is a grassroots movement that's been around for a hundred years in the Islamic world. And it's a, uh, a, a movement to return Islam to glory, to restore Islam to its traditional role, uh, dominating society. Islam dominated the civilized world for 1200 years. It was only after the Western Reformation and Industrial Revolution in the past couple hundred years that saw the Western world overcome Islam and reduce Islam to a, a third world backward countries. So uh, it really is a civilizational conflict 
uh, Islam reigned over the civilized world for a thousand years, and Islamism teaches a return to traditional values, uh, the traditions of Islam, Sharia law, and the domination of Islam over non-believers. And as such, there is no place at all for uh, Jews to have their own political state where they dominate Muslims living in the Jewish state and, that, and within the Islamic world. And that's the basis for this conflict. It's a religious conflict and not a nationalistic conflict. And that's the basic misunderstanding that the Western world has and even the Israelis uh, thinking that they can make peace with the movement of Islamism. Ironically, most of the people killed, most of the Israelis murdered by Hamas uh, less than a couple weeks ago were peaceniks, leftists that believed that they could make peace with these Islamists and they paid the ultimate price. Uh, things are moving so quickly. There's so much information and so much misinformation uh, on the Internet. Uh, it's very hard to know exactly what to believe. Uh, the world was shocked by claims that the Israelis had uh, had bombed uh, a hospital uh, in Gaza. But in retrospect, based on what I've seen later this afternoon, that appears not to be accurate. Uh, any uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's just uh, one of many examples where the uh Hamas uh, health ministry puts out a statement saying that the Israelis had bombed a hospital and killed 500 people and all the anti-Israel Islamist supporting uh, countries, Egypt, Jordan, and so many others that are trying to appease the Arab street uh, simply agreed with it and condemned Israel, including Mahmoud Abbas of the PLO. And of course, in reality, we find out that it was the Islamic Jihad who had a, a, a rocket misfire and simply landed in a parking lot and there was very little loss of life, you know, after all. But when you see those uh, videos they're showing, you can learn what Gaza is really all about. That's another big misunderstanding. If you look at the skyline, just Google Gaza City, and it looks like Fort Lauderdale. There's high-rise apartment buildings, there's restaurants, there's a beautiful boardwalk on the ocean, oceanfront property. And the way they've achieved this lifestyle is through billions of dollars of donations from the UN, the United States, and, and the Europeans for so many years. Uh, so people don't understand that Gaza is some kind of, you know, Fort Lauderdale of the Middle East. Uh, now, some other things about Gaza people don't know is that most families have 10 kids. 10 kids is a normal family size. And these uh, Palestinian Islamists fully expect to lose one or two of their kids in a conflict with Israel. And they're proud of it. It's called Shaheed. It's a, it's a martyr. Their children become martyrs, and it's a great honor for their family. And uh, I think in the West, we also don't understand the role of Iran and why Iran is so rabid in supporting Islamist anti-Israel groups like Hezbollah and Hamas. And this has to do with the inner Muslim conflict uh, over many centuries. It's because the Iranians are mostly Shia Muslims. And the larger group of Sunni Muslims in the world don't really consider Shia Muslims to be real Muslims. This is the inner conflict in the Islamic world. So for the Iranians, in order to show their street cred, in order to prove to the Sunni Muslim world that they're Muslims, uh, find the expression in anti-Israel activity. If they can be more anti-Jewish, anti-Israel, they're trying to prove their street cred in the Sunni Islamic world. So there are many different forces at play but Iran's hand in supporting these Islamists is, is a large one. And the, the uh, lifestyle of Gaza, where you have extremely large families with a rabid street uh, group of people that support the Islamist cause, is not largely understood. The uh, Biden administration would have people believe that Hamas is just a couple of bad guys and they're oppressing the Palestinians who, uh, as soon as they get rid of Hamas, are going to break out in Western democracy. But that's not the case at all. So we know that the uh, Obama administration uh, endeavored to reach a nuclear weapons deal with the Iranians, in which they sought to pay them millions and millions of dollars, some of it on the books, some of it, as we now know, off the books, literally pallets of cash, uh, in return for a promise that they would not use the money to develop nuclear weapons. Why we would believe them, uh, I have no idea. Candidate Donald Trump campaigned on uh, and kept a promise to end that deal. 
but it appears to me like sec former Secretary of State John Kerry spent the four years uh, of the uh, Trump administration uh, and several years of this administration endeavoring to get that deal back on track. That appears to me to be a violation of the Logan Act, but uh, you're not allowed to have your own uh, foreign policy in this country, uh, unless, of course, you're a liberal Democrat, I guess. Uh, what exactly is the Biden administration seeking to achieve here? Uh, and it's a two-part question. Do you agree with those who say the unfreezing of the $6 billion in assets for Iran was a triggering event uh, in this attack on Israel? Uh, I think it was a triggering event, uh, but the, the background of the idea of appeasing Iran and trying to make a nuclear deal with Iran and paying Iran money for hostages, this all has to do with what I call leftist political fantasies. Leftists have political fantasies and they try to implement those fantasies into the real world and it always ends up blowing up in their face. Uh, in 2005, Israeli leftists thought that if they gave Gaza to the PLO, the Secular Palestine Liberation Organization terror group, that peace would break out. That was their fantasy. And it failed almost immediately. Uh, Hamas was voted into office by the Palestinian Islamist public and Israel's had to fight a war about every two years and have simply kicked it down the road thinking that, well, we'll just put up some uh, missile defense system and every couple of years we'll bomb them and then they'll stop. And that's how they've dealt with it. But now it's completely blown up in their face in the form of a massacre and a possible regional war. So too would any deal between Obama or Biden or O-Biden as we now call it with the Iranians, it's a political fantasy based on misunderstanding of the true intentions of the Iranians. The Iranian and, uh, Iranians are Islamists. They believe in Islamic supremacy, and they would use that deal to achieve uh, nuclear weapons and then use the threat of using them or use them to achieve Islamic domination over the non-believers. Uh, political fantasies are almost always fatal. Marxism <clears throat> is a political fantasy about how humans could live as, as ants in an anthill and everybody's going to look the same and act the same and everyone's going to be happy. And Marxism turned out the governments that adopted this ideology killed 150 million of their own citizens to try to force it down their throats. So everything that Biden is messing around with the Iranians is based on a fantasy that's going to blow up just as the Israelis fantasy of giving Gaza to the PLO has blown up in their face. Uh, Joel, in 1973, almost exactly 50 years ago, I think two weekends ago, uh, Israel was the uh, target of a surprise attack by the Egyptians and the Syrians, uh, to the much to the surprise of their vaunted intelligence agency in the 1973 Yom Kippur War. Uh, Israel avoided total annihilation uh, in that conflict only when President Richard Nixon decided to airlift $36 million worth of lethal aid to the Israelis who were out of ammunition and had their backs to the sea. Uh, more recently, uh, we've had this surprise attack. Given the reputation of Israel's uh, superior intelligence agencies, how is it possible, uh, I just ask this as a question, how is it possible that Israel was taken by surprise uh, in these attacks uh, in Gaza? I think the surprise attack will be a subject of a thorough investigation when this war is over by the Israelis. The way I see it now, it was a series of about five or six big misunderstandings. Uh, the Israelis thought that the Hamas group was contained, that by simply bombing them about every two years, the worst they would ever do is shoot off some missiles. They didn't really imagine that they would attack and massacre uh, 22 villages in the, in the vicinity. They were lulled into a sense of security by the fact that the Qataris were delivering billions of dollars through the Israelis to Hamas. Hamas had requested work permits for more Gazans, which they approved. So I think the Israelis were lulled into a false sense of security over the situation being stable really over 15 years and got caught in an unimaginable situation. But as you mentioned, in 1973, uh, Nixon came in and supported the Israelis militarily just like the Biden administration is doing. However, you may recall that after the Israeli military victory, Henry Kissinger came in and ensured an Israeli political defeat at the end of the war. 
by guaranteeing certain areas in the Golan and the Sinai be given up to Egypt and initiating a diplomatic process that eventually uh, came into becoming the Camp David Accords where Israel had to cede the entire Sinai. So I'm very suspicious of what the Biden administration is up to. We already see that they're talking about telling the Israelis to limit casualties, to get aid into, uh, into the Gaza Strip. There's probably a number of caveats and things that they're doing to prevent the Israelis from winning the war, but they will help them win the war. But afterwards, you can see that the Biden administration is already talking about Palestinian statehood, the fact that the saying that the Palestinian people are, are different from Hamas and they don't support Hamas. So look to be very suspicious about what the Biden administration will do to appease its Arab allies at the expense of the Israelis at the end of this war. Uh, you, you raise an excellent point. Uh, I was going to make the point that Nixon airlifted that support to Israel over the objections of Dr. Kissinger, over the objections of the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff, including Admiral Thomas Maurer, uh, over the objections of his entire foreign policy apparatus. It may have been among his finest hours, uh, but I, I do see the same thing going on now, where it appears uh, that the Biden administration is trying to limit uh, Israel in terms of targets, in terms of weaponry, uh, in terms of casualties, yet they seem to be putting no such restrictions on the Ukrainians. What do you think of that? Uh, well, look, uh, we've seen more coverage from war correspondents in Israel in one week than we've seen war correspondents in Ukraine. We haven't seen a thing out of Ukraine. I think it's because the war is not going like the Biden administration uh, tells us it's going. That's why we never see a damn thing. So the Ukraine war remains this uh, $100 billion mystery of money that goes out and no one really knows what, what happens other than we're told it's going great. Uh, but the uh, Biden administration, don't forget, is made up of handlers, handlers of Joe Biden who are far left or far left socialist radicals who want to remake America. And they are largely anti-Israel and pro-Palestinian. So uh, I'm very concerned that the restrictions that they've told uh, Netanyahu that he has to do in the conduct of the war. And I'm sure they're planning that as soon as Hamas is out of the way, they're planning on implementing something to uh, make a, a Palestinian state or completely put in billions and billions of more dollars to, to Gaza that will ultimately harm Israel. I don't know that the Israelis actually have a military plan in place to deal with Hamas because Hamas has about 30,000 fighters. Now, 20,000 of them can simply go back to their apartments and maybe only 10,000 could fight the Israelis uh, you know, when they come in. And after an Israeli victory, they're gonna leave eventually in a couple of months and they'll just take over again. So there really is not a clear option for victory for the Israelis except for one thing. If they were to raise Gaza City, in other words, knock down hundreds of high-rise buildings, and turn it into a tent city. Then Hamas could come out and rule it all they want, and it won't make a difference. I believe only that type of massive destruction on Gaza City will ensure an Israeli victory. Anything short of that, and I think Hamas will still be there. Uh, is a real problem here, not Hamas, but in fact, uh, uh, Iran, Iran that has uh, very sophisticated uh, nuclear weapons? Uh, look, uh, there's uh, rumors that I've heard for many years that the Iranians purchased several nuclear weapons from the Ukrainians when the uh, Soviet Union fell apart. So we really don't know their capabilities and, and what they have. Uh, certainly, the Iranians are hell-bent on this uh, idea of er eradicating Jewish political control over any part of the Middle East because it doesn't fit in with the idea of Islamic revival restoring Islam to its glory where it dominated Western civilization. That's why no Jewish state can ever be acceptable of any size. And unless the Iranians are uh, kept in a bottle like Donald Trump did, he put sanctions on them, he didn't allow them to develop missiles, he limited their oil sales, all the things that kind of kept them in place and kept them on the defensive, Joe Biden has removed. I think it's even today that all of their restrictions on uh, missile technology have now been lifted. Uh, they're actively negotiating a nuclear deal. 
They've given billions and billions to Iran. So the United States has made tragic mistakes in supporting Iran and uncorking the Iranian agenda, probably without realizing it. And I'm concerned, just like with how the idea of giving Gaza to, to the PLO was a political fantasy, so too does the Biden administration live in a political fantasy that if they give Iran all this money, that they will become uh, more westernized and good actors. In fact, we see that they simply become come themselves, and uh, that is not something that the United States can ultimately live with, or Israel. Uh, Joel, because I'm a giant fan of your filmmaking, I want to show your other trailer. This is the trailer for Farewell Israel, Bush, Iran, and the Revolt of Islam. امروز ملت ها بیدار شدند بدانید اقیانوس خشم ملت های منطقه به تلاتون خواهد آمد و ریشه رژیم زهیونیستی را Farewell Israel Bush, Iran and the revolt of Islam the confrontation between Islam and the Jews began in the Prophet Muhammad's time and continues to this day. Farewell Israel is an historic journey from the inception of Islam through its 1,200-year reign over the civilized world to the last 300 years of Islamic decline, overtaken and dominated by the West, then humiliated by a Jewish state. At the direction of Iran, Islamism is on the march, preparing the fateful coming war for Islam. And Israel is the number one target and obstacle in the path of Islamic revival. Israel wants peace, but does not understand Islamic society and its values. With vigilance, determination, courage, we will defeat the enemies of freedom. Meanwhile, George Bush played into the hands of Al-Qaeda. And Iran is acquiring strategic weapons to defeat Israel and return Islam to past glory. Misunderstanding is leading to a coming war, which will have devastating consequences for the West, and worst of all, for Israel. Joel, it just appears that your documentary was a little premature. Uh, reading today, uh, probably yesterday's UK Daily Mail, telling us that 2,000 US troops have been prepared to deploy to, the, to Israel, uh, as well as a second aircraft carrier now moved into the Mediterranean, the post-millennial reporting the same thing. Uh, do not share my concern that this has a potential to flare into a world nuclear war involving U.S. ground troops uh, as well as uh, other U.S. assets. Yeah, you have to understand that uh, the Islamists don't do things uh, in an isolated incident. They have a grander strategy in mind. For instance, I still say no one really understood 9-11. Uh, Al-Qaeda did not attack the World Trade Center just to kill people, as George Bush told us. They just want to kill some people. Their goal was to draw the United States into the Middle East and then use the presence of U.S. forces to instigate an Islamic revolution across the Islamic world and get rid of all of the secular leaders of Islamic countries. And they were partially successful in doing that. So too, the Iranians did not order Hamas to murder Israelis with the idea that Israel would come into Gaza and wipe out Hamas. That was not their plan. I believe they had a much larger regional war in mind, and their plan was also to draw the United States into the conflict. Uh, and so far, they appear to have been successful in drawing the United States fleet into the Eastern Mediterranean. And I have no doubt that the Iranians are planning a wider regional war that may include uh, anti-ship missiles and attacks on US vessels that would force the United States to respond. And then the Iranians will use that response to instigate riots 
in Muslim countries, including the Gulf states, all of these uh, countries that have autocratic rulers and kings are vehemently opposed by the Islamists. They believe that these are oppressors, the Saudis, the Qataris, the United Arab Emirates, the King of Jordan, and they want to remove them and create an Islamic, go Islamic government uh, and a new Islamic society. And they want to use the United States uh, to achieve that. And I think so far, uh, the Iranians are calling the shots and the United States and Israel are pretty much playing into their hands. Joel, do you agree with those who say that one of the goals uh, of this uh, of this conflict uh, in the Gaza was to blow up an agreement between the Saudis uh, and Israel, a, a, an impending peace agreement that seemed to be coming together? Uh, certainly the agreements between Israel and the Gulf states like United Arab Emirates were a great irritant to the uh, Iranians. I think the potential Saudi deal was the final straw that likely caused the Iranians to pull the trigger on this plan that they probably had in place for some years. So the timing would be that the Saudi deal was just too much for them to, to be able to bear, and they wanted to reverse course. Uh, but ultimately, the enemy of Iran is not only Israel, but the Saudi royal family, the Qatari royal family, all of these people that they view as illegitimate rulers of uh, Islamic populations, and they seek to eliminate them as well as the as well as the Israelis. And the Saudi deal was certainly the ultimate uh, uh, problem for the Iranians, and I think they've successfully scuttled it with the Gaza attack. All right, Joe, we're going to ask you to stay with us because I want to do, I want to review the domestic political impact of all this on the other side. First, we're going to take a very quick a commercial break. Uh, folks, uh, The Stone Zone is brought to you every day by the great folks at MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com is, of course, the company of America's number one capitalist, uh, free enterprise, free speech, and election integrity advocate, Mike Lindell, a man who is himself a beleaguered but unbowed. Uh, here's a special commercial that he made to bring your attention to a very special deal available at MyPillow right now. Hello, everyone. I wanted to get in here and uh, interrupt this great show by my great friend, Roger Stone. And uh, what we have is we have the best special ever exclusive to Lindell TV. And that is we have the, the everybody knows the towel sets, right? That's a six piece towel sets. If you go down to the radio podcast, we've got um, we've got our right there. They are He's $29.98. We're closing them out. We're closing out the towels. We have our new Shapir long stable, our new design on the right there. Those are that were those are on sale too. But what the exclusive for for uh, our listeners and anyone watching Roger's show here, uh, you get there they are. We're closing these towels out. Once they're gone, they're gone. They're only I believe there's three colors left. Six piece towel sets. This is what I wanted to do to help out all our great hosts here and. Uh, Roger's one of the best. So use the promo code STONE and you get it for $29.98 for a six-pack set. Otherwise, you call this number 800-858-0402. Use that promo code STONE. Uh, my operators are standing by. You're helping my pillow. You're helping yourself with these great products. And you and keep watching Roger's great show here on Lindell TV. Thanks, Mike Lindell. Uh, you saw it yourself, folks. Uh, there's many, many great products at MyPillow.com. Check out some of my favorite, the dog beds, also suitable for cats, the pet blankets uh, in three sizes, the all-season slippers, the MyPillow sandals, the, uh, the MyPillow throw blankets, the MyPillow waffle blankets, uh, the mattress toppers, all great products, all available at MyPillow, but be sure to use promo code STONE so you get those deep, deep discounts. Uh, Mike Lindell, appreciate your support, as do Mrs. Stone and I. Please go to MyPillow right now and use uh, promo code STONE, uh, and God bless you for it. Returning now uh, with my guest, uh, Joel Gilbert, documentary filmmaker, uh, it'd be nice if I could get him to play the guitar sometime on the show, but maybe uh, when we celebrate the victory of Donald Trump in uh, 2024.
Joel, that's a that's an open invitation. You can play on the air when Trump returns to the White House. Okay, uh, that's a deal. Uh, the, the question here is an obvious one. Uh, Donald Trump was probably the best president ever in terms of Israel policy. Uh, uh, numerous Republican presidents pledged that they would move the capital to Jerusalem. None of them did so. Trump did do so. Uh, the historic Abraham Accords, uh, peace accords. Uh, I don't think any of this would have happened, none of it, if Donald Trump were still in the White House. What do you think? Uh, I'll agree. Uh, certainly, uh, Donald Trump had uh, all of uh, America's enemies, Israel's enemies, uh, frozen out from their agendas. They realized that any aggression against Israel or the United States would be met with uh, the power of the United States. Uh, now we see how weak Joe Biden is and how his policies have led to enemies of the United States and enemies of Israel uh, going on the move. And you can see Biden showing up in Israel. I think it's a desperate attempt to shore up some kind of support, looking for some kind of foreign uh, positive victory of some kind, just like Jimmy Carter, who was such a failing president, put together the Camp David Accords, thinking that that might help him politically. I think uh, Biden's handlers thought by sending Biden to Israel that would help him politically, possibly, but the trip fell apart while he was on the way because of this uh, bogus uh, hospital bombing that never really happened and the fact that the uh, Arab states bailed out of, of meeting with him. So uh, Donald Trump was good for the economy, he was good for America, he was good for our allies. It was all the uh, smart conservative policies that Donald Trump implemented, including moving the embassy to Jerusalem, uh, which kind of was a, a catalyst for the peace and stability we had in the Middle East under Donald Trump. So, Joel, uh, I think most people know you have a documentary out now in which you have predicted uh, that uh, Joe Biden will not be a candidate for elected. Michelle Obama 2024. Uh, we've shown the trailer here numerous times. Uh, we will no doubt show it again. Uh, do you believe these developments in the Middle East uh, increase the chances of Joe Biden not being a candidate? Uh, you know what? Uh, I think that... Uh the events in the Middle East show how chaotic it is with Joe Biden. Uh, Biden ran on a, a platform of, I'm gonna return uh, stability and get rid of all this chaos of Donald Trump. Well, it turned out that under Donald Trump, we had the stability and under Biden, we have this chaos and foreign wars. Uh, so I don't even think Biden has to drop out anymore. Just like Ted Kennedy ran against Jimmy Carter uh, Michelle Obama is the most popular person in the country. She's the best loved Democrat. She's uh, had 15 years of all positive publicity. I think Democrats love the Obama years. Michelle has literally been following in the footsteps of Barack in the same formula that he did to run for president. Barack had a voter registration organization called Project Vote. Michelle has one called When We All Vote. Barack wrote two autobiographies before he ran for president. Michelle wrote two autobiographies. Barack was the keynote speaker for John Kerry in 2004 at the Democrat convention. Sure enough, there was Michelle Obama, keynote speaker for Joe Biden. Now, we look at the fact that they've taken the first primary out of Iowa and they moved it to South Carolina, which has half of its Democrat Party voter electorate are African-American, which would be an easy slam dunk for Michelle. And they moved the Democrat Party National Convention to Chicago, Michelle's hometown of all places. So I think they've kind of set it up for her. There's a December 23rd deadline coming up to get on all the primary ballots. You gotta get your signatures in to be on the primary ballots. So I'm predicting that Michelle's gonna make a move sometime in November to be able to get on the primary ballots. Biden does not have to drop out. No one's gonna support him. Nobody wants him. They think he's too old. The Democrats don't like him. He's got a terrible record. The down ballot Democrats are terrified he's gonna pull down the ticket. So I, I think it's gonna happen. Now, very interestingly, Michelle Obama typically tweets three times a day. Look at her Twitter account. Three times a day she's been tweeting for years about politics and outreach to minorities and women. Since October 7th, the day of the Hamas attack on Israel, she has not tweeted at all. It's day 13 and Michelle Obama is completely silent. And I think this tells you what she's up to because she doesn't want to come out uh, against Hamas because she might alienate the far left Democrats. She doesn't want to offend Jewish voters, so she's not tweeting anything. So I think the Obamas are going to make their move and it's going to be in a few short weeks. 
Uh, Joel, I think that's a very shrewd analysis. Uh, even I am surprised at how large the pro-Islamic faction in today's modern Democratic Party is. This is, after all, the party of Harry Truman, who founded the state of Israel. Uh, it's really pretty shocking. Fortunately, we were able to grab your trailer. Uh, let's show the trailer for Michelle Obama 2024. They could run Michelle Obama. Oh. And if they do... Welcome, Michelle Obama! Michelle Obama is the most popular woman in America. You know I hate politics. You can forget about the disclaimer. I'm convinced that Michelle Obama is running for president in 2024. Systemic racism, pepper spray, and rubber bullets on peaceful protesters. She's following the exact same formula that Barack did to become president. Michelle was the keynote speaker at the 2020 Democrat convention, just like Barack was in 2004. Barack once ran a voter registration organization. Now, so does Michelle. That's how we change America. Also, Barack Obama based his candidacy on his personal story. Michelle has done the exact same thing. But like Barack, Michelle tells a life story that is more fiction than fact. Maybe somebody's gonna discover that I shouldn't be here. Now, come along on an investigation into the real Michelle Obama and her plan for power. I found out Michelle's father worked for the Democrat party machine. My father, he was a precinct captain in Chicago. People would come for money. It turns out Michelle was never a part of the black community. In that household, there was fear. You talk like a white girl. You could get your butt kicked if you talk like a white girl. What was going on in the 70s was what we called white flight. The only person doing white flight in the 1970s was Michelle Robinson. You're told by a school counselor you're not Princeton material. You're black, maybe you're stretching. Michelle was no victim of racism. In fact, Michelle has been running from the black community her whole life. Hyde Park is the best neighborhood. And Michelle sold out the black community working for the mayor of Chicago. This is turning into a ghetto, you better run. They just take our home like this shit. And she sold them out as a hospital executive, oh, kicking poor black patients out of the ER. Yeah, like that. I learned that to get power, Michelle pretends to be part of the black community she exploited all her life. Lo and behold, trying to pay your own rent. Imposter uh, syndrome. All out war between the pigs and us. And it turns out Michelle's close friend and mentor was an anti-American radical. The politics of fear. Because of fear. Your fear. They want you to be afraid of change. We're working to change the future of this nation. We need you. Are you in? Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. And to transform America, Michelle plans to rule America come Election Day 2024. There you have it, folks. Michelle Obama, 2024. I, I think most people know this. I agree with Joel's analysis that Michelle Obama will ultimately be the Democratic Party nominee. Joel Gilbert, I want to thank you so much for joining us today on The Stone Zone. Glad we had an opportunity to get into that piece of domestic politics as well. All right, Roger. Thanks so much for having me today. God bless you, my brother. Uh, all right. Uh, while we are uh, watching uh, events in the U.S. Capitol, uh, President Donald Trump is unfortunately pinned down in a Manhattan courtroom. Uh, we have a video uh, from uh, his remarks yesterday, uh, as well as some uh, additional remarks. This is part of the tsunami uh, of lawfare against the president. But this is only a civil case. Let me be very clear that the gag order that was imposed on President Donald Trump uh, in D.C. Uh, is uh, as serious as a heart attack. Uh, and then if he violates it, I have no doubt whatsoever uh, that the uh, judge in that case uh, potentially could incarcerate him. On the other hand, I was a little surprised in Iowa two days ago when the president said he was prepared to go to jail if necessary uh, to fight for the country and to continue, in essence, his reelection. 
Uh, let's take a look at, at him in New York yesterday. The actual word. The 
actual worth is higher. So therefore, it's very conservative, and that's what the banks got. And therefore, there's no fraud. Then there's no fraud because there's a disclaimer clause at the beginning and all throughout the financial statements. It says, do your own work, do not rely on these statements. 100% do not rely on these statements. And third thing is, I was tried under a statute that's never been used before that doesn't allow you to have a jury. I'm not allowed to have a jury. I never heard of that before. I don't get the option. If I begged for a jury, they wouldn't give me a jury. I get no jury. A judge is going to make a decision. He's a Democrat judge. He's very liberal. And I believe he's under a lot of pressure. This is a rigged trial. This is a rigged situation. And our country can't stand these things. And the people of our country understand it. We're being railroaded. And I have other trials for being railroaded. You saw yesterday when they take away my right to speak. I won't be able to speak like I'm speaking to you. And I'm not saying anything wrong. I'm saying the truth. I won't be able to do this with that trial. Because the judge, which of course we're appealing, because the judge said basically I don't have a right to speak. And I'm, a, I'm the number one candidate leading the Republicans by 55 or 60 points. That should be over. And leading Joe Biden, and leading Joe Biden, and I'm being restricted. My my speech has been taken away from me. I'm a candidate that's running for office, and I'm not allowed to speak. This is a railroading. It's all coming out of the Department of Justice. It's all set up by Biden and his thugs that he's surrounded with to try and sneak out an election victory that he's not entitled to win because he's been the worst president in the history of our country. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, we also have a, a short statement uh, by one of President Trump's lawyers, Alina Haba. Let's run that. Yeah. Alina, we just heard the appraiser say that you were surprised that his advice had on Well, the former president is going to say anything about it. We're going to cross-examine him, and I think that will say it all. I think you guys need to understand something. Banks hire appraisers. Everybody here knows that. Anybody here that's purchased a home or purchased anything in real estate understands a very basic thing. Let me put this whole case in plain English for you, okay? You are an individual. You go to get something appraised. You say, my house is worth X. The bank doesn't take your word for it. They hire people like that gentleman to go do their own values. Now those values are gonna be lower than the ones that the homeowner or the commercial real estate owner would use. It's very basic. Anybody watching, any business television can understand or explain to you these basic principles of real estate. But the point is that's not what this is about. That is not what this case is about. It has nothing to do with this because the statement of financial condition was actually low. Statement of financial condition didn't include President Trump's brand. The statement of financial condition does not include the big picture. If you take Trump Tower and you take the Trump name off of that building and you put Letitia James's name on that building, it will not be worth what it is worth when Donald Trump owns it. Uh, there you have it, uh, Alina Haba, uh, one of President Trump's lawyers. I stress again that this is but one of the civil cases, and as Trump did say in his remarks, uh, he will not be able to comment during the proceedings uh, in certain other trials, certainly in D.C., before it's over, perhaps uh, in Fulton County, Georgia. Uh, he continues to build uh, an incredible lead, both uh, not only gaining in terms of his vote share, uh, but also gaining in terms of the intensity of his support. Here's a, a short clip uh, of his remarks today. President, what are your thoughts on the trial so far? The government, through its witness, just got caught in a big, fat lie. And frankly, this case should be dismissed. It should have never been brought. This case should have never been brought. And this case should be dismissed. This is ridiculous what's going on. Are you and all you have to do is take a look at the record of the people in the room. Are you coming back tomorrow, sir? Mr. President, are you coming back tomorrow? Are you coming back tomorrow? First time, by the way, that I've seen President Donald Trump wear a light blue shirt uh, with a uh, brilliant blue tie. Looked pretty good. Uh, I do want to point out that the president is not required to be there for these proceedings. It's a civil case. Uh, he's there because he chooses to. 
Uh, he had a very successful trip to Iowa uh, in between court sessions. Uh, we're going to keep you up to date on the tsunami of lawfare against uh, President Donald Trump. Uh, but I want to remind you one more time uh, that we're brought to you by the great folks at MyPillow.com. So if you love the Stone Zone, if you love what we are doing here, uh, if you like our journalism, uh, if you like our daily interviews, please go to MyPillow.com and use promo code STONE, promo code STONE. There are many, many great products. I uh, always talk about the dog beds and the pet blankets, but whether it is the all-season slippers, the men and women's moccasin slippers, the MyPillow sandals, the uh, famous MyPillow 2.0, which has a patented cooling technology built right into the pillow. Uh, there's a special on those right now. There's a four-pack available. Any of these great products help Mike Lindell, help the folks at MyPillow, help the folks uh, at uh, frankspeech.com, Lindell TV One, uh, and yes, help us here at the Stone Zone. All right, that's uh, we're out of town time for today. Let me thank my guest. Joel Gilbert for an excellent interview regarding the situation unfolding uh, in uh, Israel, even as we speak until tomorrow. God bless you and Godspeed. Hello, everyone. I wanted to get in here and uh, interrupt this great show by my great friend, Roger Stone. And uh, what we have is we have the best special ever exclusive to Lindell TV, and that is we have the, the everybody knows the towel sets, right? That's a six-piece towel sets. If you go down to the radio podcast, we've got, um, we've got our, right there they are. He's $29.98. We're closing them out. We're closing out the towels. We have our new Shapir Long Stable, our new design on the right there. Those are, that we're, those are on sale too, but what the exclusive for, for uh, our Listeners and anyone watching Roger's show here, uh, you get there they are. We're closing these towels out. Once they're gone, they're gone. They're only, I believe there's three colors left, six-piece towel sets. This is what I wanted to do to help out all our great hosts here, and uh, Roger's one of the best. So use the promo code STONE, and you get them for $29.98 for a six-pack set. Otherwise, you call this number 800 858 0402. Use that promo code STONE. Uh, my operators are standing by. You're helping my pillow. You're helping yourself with these great products. And you can keep watching Roger's great show here on Lindell TV.